this is Garrett Wong, and I played Ensign Kim on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the latest in our weekly Legion Review podcast. I'm your host Craig McKenzie, and this week we cross the halfway point of Chapter 5, an episode that provides some answers while also creating more confusion. Collectively, we're none the wiser, but we try to muddle through. Full house this week, full team. We have Chris and Aaron, who are apparently not the same person, as I theorised last week. Hello. We need to change our names if we were going to be the same person there. We <laughs> <laughs> have to be Chris and Cross and go back to that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as with this show, all my theories are out the window. But yeah, how are we all? Tolerably well. Almost all right. I'm, I've, I've recovered from killer man flu. Killer man flu. Yeah. Not just ordinary man flu, but proper killer man flu. That's great. <laughs> Glad you're feeling better. So, unless anybody has anything spoiler-free to say, we should just descend straight into dreamland and go straight into whatever plot details if we can consider them spoilers because who knows what's going on anyway yay for a slight musical number so three three or five episodes have a musical piece <laughs> very happy yeah. with that not saying i want this to go full on bollywood but happy nonetheless if the if the, if the final episode goes full on bollywood i think we'd all be on board though <laughs> absolutely they've been laying the seeds for the whole season and finally we'll just accept an entire episode that's suddenly a musical um, the other thing I'll say about this episode is not not to come across as overwhelmingly arrogant, but see, the, the early episodes, one to four, I know that there's a lot going on and we don't have all the answers, but to me, they've all been a mystery and it's fair play that we don't know anything. And I've not really thought it was as mind-blowing as the internet seems to have said. Some of the review sites are going, oh my God, another mind-blowing episode takes it to a whole other level. And I thought, shut up. <laughs> it's a mystery, and it's nice that we don't know everything. That said, I'd like to join in with the internet this week and say, yeah, episode five, what the frack. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, I don't have anything spoiler-free other than I'm confused, but I'm kind of starting to get my head around some things. So, I don't know. Maybe collectively we can puzzle this out, and who knows? We'll see. So... Shall we go into spoilers? Do it. Cool. Yeah. Okay, we can say whatever we want now. First of all, we've kind of got some answers this week, a couple of answers, although they may not be the truth. Um, we now know that, or I say no in inverted commas, that David's mind is infected by some kind of parasite that takes over his body periodically. Um, which I don't think was delivered in the best way, you know, where you had um, Carrie saying exactly that on a screen. Uh, it could have been explained in a more sophisticated way, I think. I'd have preferred it if they'd have gotten to it in a different way as well, rather than flashback to him suddenly looking at the scans again for... I, I don't think any particular reason. It, it just He just happens to be looking at the scans again and suddenly seeing something and then putting together a massive theory. And the timing seems to be just pure 
cinematic plot need timing. This is the reveal, therefore the character must come up with the answers, and it didn't seem as clever as some of the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Plus, it's the second half of the season, so they should start at least giving us something at this point. Um, And I quite like the whole Parasite idea, but I was kind of moving down that track anyway, because it's clear that there's more than one force at work inside David's mind, even if it is all just manifestations of his own subconscious. It's still... There's still kind of a different personalities at work. So even if it's not a parasite, I thought there was maybe something else in there. But you know what I was hoping for? I was hoping for it was going to be, as they've, they've hinted a couple of times, that it was, yes, he is actually insane. He does have a mental disorder. You fought for ages to say that he's got powers and he's not really got a mental problem. But do you know what? sometimes even mutants have mental disorders too and it was just going to be an investigation of what happens when somebody this powerful really can't control themselves i suppose it could be a metaphor for that right now but i'd have been happy Mm. if it was just a split personality thing rather than something specifically sci-fi and it still could be yeah i've not ruled out yeah i mean it just seems like i've read this scan and I've deduced that there's something else in there, but there's no nothing to really deny the fact that it's another aspect of his personality. I mean, uh, in the follow-up, uh, you know, to discover that this uh, person in his head that he's been talking to, or all these characters that he's seen in his head, are all one person, one entity, and they've not been there the whole time, he's never had a dog, you know, all those sorts of things will then play on him later. I mean, I mean, I imagine that would leave you um, sort of mentally reeling at the other end, even if they do deal with the parasite by the end of this series. Yeah. It also it reminds me of a very specific comic book thing. Um, there's a a villain in X Men lore called the Shadow King. Uh, basically, he's this parasitic entity that in, infects telepaths and kind of drives them insane and tries to take over their mind and stuff. And that's very similar to what's happening here or seems to be what's happening here. So, well, if not specifically called him out as the Shadow King, it could be, you know, an adaptation of that, certainly. I think that reference is so obscure, I've never heard of it, but I'll take everything you say as gospel on that. (laughs) Well, there was an episode of the animated series, actually, where the the Shadow King was in Xavier's head. Take your word for it. (laughs) I'm not an expert on the X-Men comics by any means so maybe yeah, I will turn to Google at the end of this but I have been trying to avoid as much as possible sort of Googling what's going on in Legion. Yeah well it's kind of broad strokes anyway it's not like exactly like the what the Shadow King would do in the comics but it's similar enough you know goes after telepaths tries to pervert their personalities plays with their memories to try and corrupt them into doing what he wants etc etc I think they are going to go down the route of it being another entity, though, rather than it being another part of David's mind. I know they haven't shut that down, but they've been laying it on pretty thick with the, it wears a human face. You know, I mean, they're in, I don't think you'd go down all that effort where all of them will, were saying, it's a parasite, it's a parasite. It's pr-. Everybody was saying it and then turn your back on it. It felt like it was, no, you need to be aware of this point, audience, to me. Yeah. It, yeah, it kind of sounds like this is going to be important over the next four episodes, so deal yeah. with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it, actually. As I say, just because I might have preferred it to have just been David. But obviously, there's so many ways they could go now. It, it doesn't really matter. But the one thing I am really pleased that they did was say, I must have been Carrie that said this, no, David is still really powerful because if he wasn't, this thing would have destroyed him completely. And I thought, thank God they're actually keeping that power level up because otherwise it would have felt a bit too much like the the end of level bad guy where they just defeat him and it's all over. And it, yeah. it's so interesting that the main character himself is ridiculously powerful. I think to have lose that, I would have been really disappointed. Yeah, it's almost ticking the boxes of questions that will be in the fans' minds as well. You know, the whole, um, well, is, is it the entity that gives him his powers? No, it's not. It's, you know, he still has powers. It's just this this thing is using them. That's all. I agree. <laughs> yes, I know. I completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we also find out that David's adopted, which doesn't Means really you open to still that. having Xavier as the father then. I was, that's in my notes. Xavier's <laughs> yeah. back on the table. <laughs> It's all leading down that path for you, isn't it? Yeah. Until they disappoint me in the final episode by revealing that his father is Magneto or something. Well, that'd still be cool. I'd still be okay with that. They haven't uh, got any other answers to the family, though. This, they didn't really give answers in that sense. They did, they didn't say more about the father or the mother. or. Well, the adoption makes no difference in the context of this episode, really, other than that being out there is something that he has to deal with. You know, that nothing has really changed. His sister is still essentially his sister. The people that raised him are still his parents. It's no, just but they didn't say why why did they adopt him? Why did they have yeah. to adopt him? Was it a normal adoption or did somebody turn up in old school movie style land and say, I've got this baby, I can't take care of him, you must do it, you know, what's Yeah. Um yeah, because they talk about how or his sister talks about the adoption and how he they were going to tell him but somehow didn't for some reason. Because he was already emotionally disturbed. You don't yeah. tell somebody who's already had trouble dealing with reality. Oh, by the way, we'd just like to undermine something else that's fundamental to your existence. I think that mm. that was the yeah. right choice. <laughs> and it's kind of introduced quite late as well. So it's something that will definitely be developed over the next few episodes. It's pretty clear that his parentage is going to be important. Well, yeah, they've still got to do the whole snicker-snack thing. And why yeah. is he... Why is he in being read these horrible fear stories about his his mother? I mean, yeah, yeah that has to that has to lead to another answer. Yeah, um, I was kind of half thinking that Oliver and Melanie could be his parents, but that would be a bit too convenient. But would actually match with the fact that Oliver is supposedly got the same powers as David yeah. and is of the same power level. I mean, they they made that parallel pretty clear too. Yeah, and I quite liked the conversation David and Melanie had about her husband. I, was like, I met your husband. He lives in ice. But it's just this he kind lives of, in a floating ice cube. Yeah. yeah, it's this abstract conversation where, you know, she gets confirmed that his consciousness is still out there, but David's not also, also not being very coherent. Suppose it would give another reason to why you know Melanie is constantly wanting to save David and keep David. I, I suppose on one hand, it's, it's he's so powerful, you you don't want him to fall into any enemy hands. But even when the risk is so large and going after him, she still does so. Yeah, well, there's almost an element of hope with Melanie. You know, she sees David as, I guess, hope that she can get her husband back. 
and win the war and all that stuff. And the war keeps getting mentioned because, you know, I guess her outlook is that humans and, or at least Section 3 and mutants are completely at war with one another. We've not seen much of the war so far, though. No. I mean, they have sort of kept that behind. If there is a massive war going on between mutants and humans, you've not particularly seen it. Yeah, I think the war thing is more of a point of view, though. Like with Magneto, mm. he thought yeah. it was a war, even though it really wasn't one. But he thought of it as that, so he was kind of a soldier in that conflict, even though no one else was. Well, yeah, there's, as Chris says, they've really not given us anything to work with here. It, no. it could be either, so... Could be. Uh, I think there'll be more to that, maybe. But they, they haven't done any work with it yet, so maybe they're just kind of leaving it out there as something that she thinks but isn't actually a thing. I think potentially the only thing we've got to work on is, I've been calling it Section 3 and looking online, and I, was, I think I actually remember this from the last episode, I should have been calling it Division 3. Division 3. Now, why am right. I calling it Section 3 as well? Right. <laughs> but I think we just have been, but we've been using the wrong word. Strangely, yeah. they do seem more like a government than a private industry, though, with that title, Division 3. You know, yeah. I've, I've worked in the private sector for too long to know that they love better names than that. You know, they they, mm. they want to call themselves something heroic and glorious, whereas the government's very much, no, it's box number three, move along, you know. Yeah. So, Question is, what I'm, are I'm leaning towards the government. <laughs> well, Absolutely. There's something very government about their setup as well. Just the, you know, the the soldier gear and the weapons and the facilities are kind of sparse and whatever else. So they're not like they're not all about decor, really. They're just kind of this will do. This is quite good as a base. It'll be fine. I wonder to but, what extent that you can derive some information about the the government and therefore the world it's in, though by what we've been presented and this this easily is me coming up with far too strange and wild connections but the very fact that their prison cells are all part of the same idea as the torture you know you've got a prison cell in which you can't lay down you can't comfortably put your food out so you can eat it's it's all part of the keep you uh you know, keep you awake, keep you stressed, torture into that small level. And you're thinking, so if the government supports this, that leads to an image of a pretty horrific government, or are they a secret organization and doing what they want? But it could go, could go that way. Maybe this is going to be this horrible world, you know, where, where governments are just evil. And that's the way it is. One of those, or one of those nebulous secret government agencies that answer to no one that you get in shows like this. Yeah, that would be a bit dull, but it wouldn't need to be any more than that, actually, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. They they seem like nothing more than a nuisance anyway. Um, you know, you, you see how easily David dispatches every single one of them he encounters. You know, he's, he's sort of dancing through their base and just killing them. And, well, he did, they did sort of majorly underestimate his power, though. I mean, you're, yeah. you're sort of... Uh, uh, the boss of the facility at the end seems to sort of say we really underestimated we didn't know he was so powerful kind of thing yeah yeah. I'm really glad that they did that though because that's one of the problems I've been having with shows like Flash where they give you a well in this case it'd be the equivalent of an Omega level mutant and then specifically depower them just so we can get good plot in whereas here it was no let's make the plot 
actually go as we know it would if he was that powerful. He destroys the base, you know, and they committed to that and made it part and parcel of what was going on, i.e. this is not a very nice person. So he would do that. Yeah, and they've gotten around the whole, why doesn't he just destroy everything? Because he just takes little notions to, to do things now and again. Or the entity or whatever it is takes notions. So it's it's kind of it's premeditated, but it's not quite premeditated. So he's just he goes through the base because he wants to save his sister. But once he does, that's it. It's done. He doesn't need to do anything else. From what point in the episode, though, do you think the entity is in charge? Because the it seems like from point, when he comes back, that that's it. I think you you tell by his attitude because I I remember saying, why is David so confident? And it's it is directly after that point where he's having a chat, as you say, inside the inside the astral, and he says to Lenny, I, I thought she says to him, "Are you ready to do this? You know, are you ready to to commit to this?" And he asks her a question, and it, it's not him that comes back; it's Lenny that comes back because then when immediately he's in that other, immediately he's back in the real world. He is ridiculously confident, which seems so out of place until he realizes it's Lenny. And he's got, um, I think Dan Stevens does a really good job of this, actually. He mimics Aubrey Plaza's attitude. So, again, you know you're actually watching Lenny here because of that smarmy smile that is just so smug like a dolphin. And it, it has to be, you know, the entity. Yeah, I mean, you see him prancing about on the security cameras just, you know, like making obscene hand gestures and, and destroying people. That's it feels like more of a Lenny thing to do because it's just yeah, the way she moves and things. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's roughly when she takes over as well. Although I also feel like there's sort of layers in there. So when he's in that white room with Sid, I think that is him, but it's kind of an unrestrained him because it's a safe place that he's created for the two of them. So I think we see different aspects of David and the things well, that live in his head throughout. David, David's always around in the astral, isn't he? Because the yeah. characters are split out at that point. So when you meet David in the astral, it's, it's him. But the body that's in the real world is a singular body and is in, and only one entity is in charge of that. So I reckon that in the real world, it's Lenny. But yeah, in the astral, you meet them all as they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that seems to be the point, yeah. Yeah, and they play around with that as well. You know, you have um, Lenny's face changes and things like that um, to different people as time goes on. So you, usually when she wants to prove a point to someone, she's like, I'm Lenny, I'm Benny, I'm whatever. And the blob, you see the blob occasionally. But yeah, it's all very confusing. Well, I think they've done quite well, actually, this episode to give you the hints that you need to know. You know, the... As I say, that that bit where where David is suddenly stupidly confident and he's going for the base—that's not David. I think they, no. I wouldn't say they hammer it home with a big sign saying "This is not David." Not not like they did with the the, the stuff we were talking about before, which was so cinema plot point. I think they 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 painted the right picture, and you got to work out and have that realization, which is so much more rewarding as a viewer experience to have. Oh my God, that's Lenny! When you when your brain ticks over and does that, you get a, a little thrill that you don't when someone says it, it's wearing a human face. You know, so, go, go away! I don't care about this nonsense you're just telling me. Yeah, but I think they did a good job of showing us what was going on. And yeah, they don't show you everything. It's not perfectly clear. But I think 
even though you don't get all the answers, you get enough to go, oh my God, you know, a couple of moments. Yeah. Well, you know, sort of from the opening that it's not the same character that you're seeing on screen, that he is sort of confident and cocky and sort of the, the way he's acting. So they didn't signpost it with neon light, but you could sort of tell that there was something not right, something mm. had changed. Yeah. And I really liked the base attack, how it was done, because you don't see anything direct. It's the most you see is security camera footage, but it's also when they're where they follow him into the base and they see the kind of destruction in his wake, which I think is more, I think that's more effective in a lot of ways rather than just watching him go around destroying things. It's kind of it sets you up for this. It's a it's almost like a slasher movie in that respect, where you see the damage that this guy can do without actually seeing him. Yeah, because your brain fills in what must have happened, yeah. and it's just as awful as your brain can construct. So if your yeah. brain can construct something truly horrific, then it will be. And either way, whatever you put together will be just the right amount of, of shocking for you. So it has that possibility of affecting every viewer in the same way, which is, which is an excellent way to go. And it saves the production budget, so, you know, <laughs> everyone wins. <laughs> There's a lot of creepiness, actually, in this episode that went with that, I think, where you're seeing these agents half buried in the ground, and you're wondering, how does that happen? And your brain just yeah. gets sidetracked into all the horrible ways that you could slowly die by being pulled into into brick. Uh, yeah. That creepiness is, was matched by some of the incidentals, which I'd not heard so clearly before and i don't know if it's just because i wasn't hearing it or if it was it was actually put in this episode but i noticed that the incidental music that plays over david's smarmy lenny face when he's smiling was was pretty creepy and the music that played over the sex scene this week i I can't even describe it my notes are not good enough all i've been able to put down is that weird music that played over the sex scene because it just was not, you know, it wasn't. It clearly wasn't romantic. It clearly wasn't even erotic. It was just, you know, and like, that just didn't work. You know, that's not sex music. Whatever it is, that's clearly not what it is. And then, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of creepy to, strings. It's, yeah, yeah. They tried to really. I think they they tried to pick that up this episode to match the explosive realization of his power. I think that came in with it, but. I don't know, I can't remember the other episodes well enough to, to really prove that, I don't think. I mean, the, the the soundtrack was one thing. The lack of sound in particular scenes this week was another. So, yeah, yeah that's my what the frack moment. I, I, th- this is the point where I'm looking at it going, okay, you've beaten me, I have no idea what's going on. Was that a gimmick or was that on purpose? And if so, I return to what the frack. <laughs> I assume you're referring to the point where they go to his old house at the end and and someone turns off the sound and everybody's yeah. doing the sound gestures and pointing at people and so on and yeah. it was slightly amusing in a, but also slightly threatening I, yeah. I think it had purpose I just don't know what it was yeah well there was the there was the weird signposting line for Melanie which said remember we're in David's world now we might be stepping out of reality it's like well you don't need to say that we've kind of got that that might happen at this point you know you can do whatever uh, and then yeah you get nothing but creepy music but it's it's not like we can't hear the characters making noise it's the characters are trying to make noise and can't be heard yes 
because there's a bit where Carrie is yelling and he's kind of annoyed at the fact or he's terrified by the fact that no one can hear him and he can't hear himself. So there's definitely something going on there. It's not just a stylistic thing. I don't know what's going but, on either. But, but yeah, yeah, but it, it, does it have does it have a purpose then? Did I miss a did I miss a point? Did somebody did some character do that because taking away sound was going to achieve something, or you know, did the demon do that because of some perverse show offing? I just I don't even have the words. Why? It seems Why like it there? stop communication to to stop people being able to form an attack plan properly because they can't hear each other. I don't know. It, it 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 ramps up tension a little bit, but not to the extent that I think they were probably aiming for. It could also. I don't know if it was be... just an idea they put on the writers' table and it made it to screen. I'm I'm not too sure if it will play anything in the future. It could also simply just be asserting dominance. You know, it's, he he can do this, so he will. I mean, the the Lenny part of his brain is pretty unhinged anyway. Yeah. So it could just be something crazy that sh- that she or it or whatever the hell it is decides to do just to mess with them. I do like the idea that it was a strategic battle plan to stop communication simply because uh, it it then reminds me that it seems slightly overkill because they the main characters make a classic mistake that you should never make. Um, which actually sort of annoyed me. And you tell me if actually I've misread this, but did they or did they not pointlessly split the party? Yeah, they pointlessly split the party. <laughs> that yeah, so annoys me. They sent so that, yeah, they sent Rudy off to die. And yeah. I thought that, and he, in, I mean, they might as well have, Melanie might as well have just said, oh, sorry, you're not in uniform. Here's your red shirt. It was just <laughs> so blatant. Um, and I, I was dis- I was really disappointed then, actually, because it was like, oh, what a surprise. The eye is now Rudy. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> and I don't. In this, you don't see things coming. No. In this, even even though I, re- I reckon they've given us some some good signposting, and, and I think you can work out some of the things that's going on, and I admit I've got plenty of stuff wrong, still they've been reasonably clever. But then just to do that and just slap you in the face with something so... So blatantly, we know this has been wrong since the 60s. I was, oh, I didn't like that at all, actually. Yeah, there was something kind of Scooby-Doo about that bit in some ways. Okay. It was about, you know, we'll go this way and you go this way and then we'll, you know, we'll find the ghost and then we'll stop it. And, yes. You know, I was expecting them to stumble into a kitchen and be distracted by food or something at one point. But um, just because I, I had Scooby-Doo in my head when I was watching <laughs> it. But Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's the classic splitting off thing. But it does give us a bit of a a different question, I suppose, as a when thinking of the eye. You know, we've seen him pose as people in the past, but we never quite find out what happens to the people that he he changes into. No, you know, I mean, Rudy is dead, but is it as a result of the eye impersonating him, or does he have to kill him to do that, or who knows? Well, are they? Is he dead though? Because it it could just be illusion. He can. Yeah. He's, he's called the eye. Maybe he can just manipulate the eye. You know, it's, there's no reason why why Rudy has to be dead, even though I've labelled him red shirt. But <laughs> it, it 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 yeah, it could be that he's just he's just able to change how he looks, um, and he's just knocked out Rudy. Or it, yeah, it could be anything. Yeah. But you're right. We're not sequence. seeing it. Yeah, that whole sequence was confusing. Um. 
Yes, it was. Yes, it absolutely was. I, I won't deny that. Even though I've got things wrong in the past, I think it's been this fun game where you try and put the pieces together and you've had pieces that you can put them together. Even if you put them together wrong and come out with a totally different picture, at least you've been able to have fun doing it. But I think when we got into that house, I suddenly found myself working with six dimensional pieces that I didn't even understand. And yeah, <laughs> totally yeah. didn't work. Yeah, although a big part of it was certainly the house part was, you know, his relationship with his sister brings them back to the childhood home and so on, which is, which kind of gets the truth out. They talk about it being where it all began. Uh, whatever that's going to lead to, into, whatever that actually means is up for debate at this point. But at least it gets the reveal out that he's adopted. No, and, and he's and he's had this thing inside of him since he was... Well, how how young is that little boy that runs around with a dog? Is he, what, five, four or five, something like that? Yeah, so he, probably, yeah. And so we know that he's had the entity, this, this, this parasite inside him since at least he was four or five, but mm. for all we know, it could have been since birth. Yeah, or passed down from his birth father, or, or maybe his father birth father was terrified that the parasite would migrate to him, and that's why he gave him up. Could be anything. Yeah. Um, so as, as Chris says, even more questions now come out about that because knowing it's a parasite and knowing he's had it since it was five doesn't actually give you any real answers. It's just a step towards it. Yeah, and what does the parasite want as well? Well, so far the parasite seems to just want to be a jerk, which is <laughs> not a bad motivation. You know, I've got no. powers, I want to use them. But it, I don't, yeah, we don't know that we know it wants to win or control or dominate yet yeah or do anything really uh, well lenny does say it so you being here is not part of my plan you oh, know right. so you you do get the impression that there is some sort of plan there but whether it is just to cause chaos or you know something a lot more grand or schemier you've got no idea yeah and the parasite does allow for something that is quite interesting. It lets David be both a villain and a victim at the same time. On and purpose, that, you mean, or or, yeah. or is that how you're reading the plot? Well, I mean, he's obviously a villain in the sense that he's going around murdering people, or his body is, but he's a victim in the sense that he's being oppressed by something that's living inside of his own mind. Do we know that David has ever been the murderer yet, though? Could it not be that... The Lenny takes over and does the murdering. So maybe David's never actually been guilty. Yeah, but his, you know, there's a measure of guilt attached to the fact that it's his body, you know, even though he wasn't in control of it. So it's kind of the, there's blood on his hands, even though he wasn't the one using his hands. Yeah, but that's a, it's a, that's a perspective though, isn't yeah. it? Because you, if, if you were trying to treat that person, you would actually convince them that they weren't actually in control. They're not the villain. So. Yeah, so well, he's, not, the, he's not really the villain, It's but that might yeah. be how he feels. It's the Angel Angelus thing again, isn't it? You know, he kills people as Angelus, but that's not Angel because he doesn't have the soul. So yeah. It's a similar sort of idea. Well, I think it's it's a bit more in David's favour than that, though, because it is actually... Well, at the moment, it's presented as a different entity. The Angel Angelus one was interesting because it... Technically, it is actually him with a bit of him missing, whereas this yeah. is seemingly two entirely separate entities who are alternately in charge of yeah. the case they inhabit. Yeah, and I wonder if the separate entities make David redeemable in some way, because if it, you know, if it was 
a second personality that was still him going around killing people, then it would it maybe make it more difficult for him to be redeemed in later episodes if they're if that's what they wanted to do. That's what I wanted to see, though. I think that's the danger, I think, of having it as a separate entity. Because when you do take that out, even though David will have guilt, it's the guilt that a human being feels because of the chemical situation of of the the body and the memories that go uh, chemicals in the body reacting to those memories. But the truth of the matter is, it is not him. As soon as that thing is gone, technically he is innocent, and that's over. The plot is that he has to overcome that and believe that and feel that and that can, that can actually be a, a redemption arc for him but but mm. the simple logical truth is that it's not him whereas if it had been his personality then actually there's an argument for well it is part of him and he is guilty which i think is more complicated and more interesting with it but but i don't know i, I say i don't even know if this is metaphor yet maybe maybe the entity isn't separate Maybe maybe it is totally metaphorically part of him. Yeah. It's a tricky one. If it's been in his mind this long, and if it's been influencing him for this long, then I imagine that it, it is part of him. It is part of his personality by this point. And, you know, I know they've, they've come up with a sort of restraining bolt of or contraption that they've come up with, but uh, what is David like under that? Because all we've seen of him, sort of in his little uh, mind palace so far, is that he's 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 cowering in the corner from it. Mm. Is he yeah. is he aware of what he's doing at the time, or is he just blissfully unaware until he wakes up? That was a nice little scene, though I think, where um, he was playing his little banjo. And in a terrified way, and he's all the while looking over to the bathroom, hoping that that Sid will, I don't know what he wants, actually, save him from it. Or he's just saying, beware. And then you open the door, and there's this cute little dog looking up at you, you know, <laughs> to the banjo music. I thought that was brilliant. That scene is is just the whole TV series in one moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just all the clashing tones and yeah. all this stuff, yeah. Um, was that the bit where he was playing the Rainbow Connection song? It is, song? yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a I bit of a strange. Influence. I didn't get the song. What? 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 What, what is the song? Uh, it's it's called. I think it's called Rainbow Connection. It's a Muppets song. Was it? Yeah, which is you know, yeah, way to traumatize the kids. I suppose. Well, there's no kids watching this. <laughs> there shouldn't be. But the yeah, it's that is the song, and I think um, I guess metaphorically it could have to do with the whole. Rainbows are made up of different colours, but they are it's the same thing. You know, it's one thing made up of different parts and that's essentially what David is. Sort of. I'm totally googling this now, I need to know. That's 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 too excellent a connection to the Muppets for me not to know immediately what this is. <laughs> yeah, we have the Muppets. Uh, or it could just be that some bizarre thing that has no meaning and it's just David wants to sing a song about Rainbows. I think we demand a Muppets cameo now. <laughs> Surely. Surely in his warped state of mind we can end up with Kermit and Miss Piggy somewhere. Don't see why I not. Could, I could quite go for one of the manifestations of David's rage is just some fluffy <laughs> ball of death coming on going, Animal! I, mean, <laughs> I, I would enjoy that. 
yeah but we have a muppet song but it, it i think it could be reading too much into it but you've got the whole multiple colors being part of one thing and that's david is essentially that on one level or a lot of levels because he has all these multiple personalities flying around there's at least at least two i suppose because the Lenny entity thing seems to be everyone else. It's just playing around with them, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any more than that. I think it is just the two of them where one of them gets the fun of having a lot of different costumes. Yeah. Look, did anyone else get a Twin Peaks vibe from the um, the bathroom? Because it was all draped in red. I don't know Twin Peaks well enough. Is that something horrible to admit? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the red room that where a... Uh, forget the character's name, but he went in and listened to a woman speaking, a small child speaking backwards, basically. It was parodied in Who Shot Mr. Burns as well. Uh, maybe, but although this does raise the interesting question of, which is weirder, this Legion or that Twin Peaks? <laughs> um, See, I'm like, you have not watched enough Twin Peaks to uh, to judge. <laughs> uh, I just got that distinct impression, but any room that's Lit completely in red is going to remind me of the red room in Twin Peaks. Well, maybe they are going for it. I mean, just maybe all these things that I've been trying to read into throughout the whole series aren't strong, meaningful uh, plot points, but rather supposed to be evocative um, uh descriptions that uh, reminders of of other things like this brought up alice in wonderland and and there was another children's story as well which is uh which is the same sort of thing and then you've got the 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 muppet song where they're talking about another world so maybe it's just peppering it through to give you a constant feeling of weird and wondrous other places which which would seem a reasonable theme yep yeah, because his mind is capable of anything and it can show us anything, so we are we are literally getting anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I found the, the white room that he he went to with Sid quite interesting, more, more so because of what it did to her, because she seemed to be unable to question him in any way afterwards because she had the temptation of being able to touch and, and experience things that she couldn't experience in the real world and felt completely real and all that stuff. And then it was after that she was um, completely standing up for David, even when Melanie was trying to tell her that he might be dangerous. And she was like, no, no, he's my man and I'm going to stick up for him. So I wonder if she could be heading down a sort of corrupted path in some way. Maybe. It's definitely gone very, they've definitely kept her very teenage, I think, yeah. with that. Because it, it's, it's definitely not as you would, you kind of want to hear these days in everything, a strong, powerful female response. You know, it's definitely a, he's my man. It, it puts him up slightly higher than her in some way, but it, it has that strength of teenage emotion. You know, I feel this so strongly. It's all I can think of. And I act on it, yeah. which I would say is at least very consistent with who she's been so far. Both of them, both of them being teenagers. Mm-hmm. Well, he's giving her what she's wanted for her whole life. So that's quite a powerful motivator, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it isn't real in inverted commas. I mean, it's the next best thing and she can't tell the difference. I think you noticed as well when he comes out of 
the astral and he's really confident, she comes out with a matching confidence, even though it, 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 I suppose it's probably a slightly different uh, thing or, or reason behind it. But I reckon that she stands a lot closer to him. In a previous episode, she's said that even getting close to another person makes her skin stand on edge and she gets really uncomfortable. But when you saw her in this episode, even though she never touched him still in the real world, she was definitely very close in a couple of scenes. Yeah. And who knows, it could be the entity trying to corrupt her in some way. Well, I was going to say, because she's seen some of the characters out with of David's mind as well. Outside mm. of his memory, she's caught glimpses of characters. So does this mean that she's uh, infected in some way as well? Could be. Very possibly could be. Um, yeah, I agree with the whole teenage assessment. She is, yeah, she is kind of acting like this besotted teen. And she's just like, nope, David's great. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's, you know, helped me get things that I want. No, not hearing a bad word said about him. There's, it's quite naive in a lot of ways. Well, it, it is, but in a way that, as you, as you say yourself, it fits because it's it's the sheer strength of the emotion of what she's feeling, overcoming her and, and taking control. So if you fancied a total artsy connection, you could say that in the way he's dominated by one feeling, she's dominated by another. I immediately regret saying that, but I'm saying you could <laughs> if you wanted to. Yeah, and they're keeping that character in the front uh, for a reason, I think. I mean, all the other characters sort of come and go, and but there's there's something about her that's definitely a focal point because I guess she can reach David on some level that others can't. I think the characters, the other characters, have been noticeable for having a purpose. Yeah, Sid is more obvious. Melanie's is 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 obvious. Um, Ptolemy has an interesting one because in a universe where anything is possible, having a character in the early scenes can say, no, this is real. How do you know? It's my power to know. You know I, I know about memories. I read memories. I know this is the real world. It's not a memory. I know. is important for grounding you because then you get that understanding of, right, yeah, I can trust this as a viewer because that is definitely real because he would know that. And then equally, when it gets into the later episodes and even Ptolemy starts to go, yeah, this is totally real. I think it is. Because they've done that foundation building of he knows his stuff and now even he's a bit confused and nervous by this, it it gives you that confidence that you can know it's something important. It's something real. It It is actually a big and serious problem. Um, I'm not quite sure though where Kerry and Carrie come into this other than being the plot people their purpose hasn't been so neatly established in my mind like some of the other ones have been yeah well uh, Carrie he's definitely the the scientist isn't he he's the one that can read charts and tell them stuff and I guess Carrie is his she, well, she's his opposite in a lot of ways. You know, she, he's quite cautious and she's quite reckless, and he's almost a pacifist, but she understands that she needs to fight. And I think they're just playing with the, the opposites that they represent for each other, rather than giving them a defined both of them a defined purpose. 
Yeah, maybe. I think some, somehow they feel slightly more I am the thing the plot needs me to be. Well, they're yeah. saying that. Maybe I'm wrong because Ptolemy's blatantly that too, actually. So now I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Cancel everything I just said. <laughs> I think Kerry is more down the line of we need a scientist or a hacker or a medic. You know, if you look at most TV shows on this sort of line, they've they've always got to have the hacker, the expert, the the person that can conjure up the MacGuffin device that can get them out of a bind. And I think that's pretty much what that character is is providing. Yeah, and the duality is just makes it quite interesting. The, the fact that there's two of them and they share a body except when they don't, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, see, on, while we're on Carrie there, one of the reasons I wanted to bring her up was because did you see what she brought into the house when they were going to investigate David going back to his childhood home? No. Well, it was a weapon, and I'm trying to remember what yeah. kind of weapon it, it was. It was definitely a weapon, and it was not a weapon I was expecting to see. And it made me think, <laughs> you brought what? What did you? What was? What do you think was going to happen that you would need that? Yeah, it was, it's this massive spite club, and I don't mean a, you know a, a club where someone's put some nails in. I mean someone has gone to the effort to actually produce really long nail. Uh, railroad spike nails and put them into a hefty <laughs> baseball bat club. It was something out of a, out of a fantasy or, 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 um, dark fairy tale story that you would imagine hold being held by a troll or an ogre. And it was just a horrific weapon. Yeah, it puts uh, Lucille in the walking dead to shame. It's a, uh, yeah, a baseball bat with very bad means. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, was I supposed to take something from that? Because presumably, she didn't always have a cupboard full of horrific weapons that she picks up now and again, or which one do I fancy or that one? Is that an indication that something wasn't real? And if she could choose a weapon and make it appear with the power of her mind, actually that would be her favorite weapon. Cause I could believe that, you know, if she was just, you can have any weapon you want, summon it into existence. Now that character could quite easily go, do you know what I've always wanted? <laughs> and then this thing appears. I could see that. But she definitely gets some kind of thrill out of violence in some way. So well, yeah, yeah. So coming up with a weapon that would inflict a lot of needless violence on people could be something that yeah that that she's just known for. I don't know. I mean, when when you see her fighting in the previous episode, she you know because it was done to music and everything, it makes it look like. It, she's quite a skilled sort of martial artist. It's almost like a dance move when she's fighting. So it's not really the weapon you'd expect. There's yeah. nothing graceful about it. I would have expected yeah. maybe a samurai sword or a thing, but a, a sort of baseball bat with spikes in was probably not on my list. <laughs> I did quite like the the insight into how their mutation works as well. Uh, the bit where it was talking about healing and it was, could you not just merge with her and heal her that way? And he says, no, we're a delicate ecosystem and I would go into shock and die. I thought, I mean, it doesn't really add anything in terms of anything significant, but I think it's a nice little character moment that tells you quite a lot about how they're connected or how deeply they're connected. It's scene setting. It's, it's, it's the universe around it. It, I think it, it goes to things like consistency to say that, We've created all this stuff, but it's not purely for plot purposes. We've thought about it, and we've got 
the extra detail to show you that the world is actually a bit more realistic. So that sort of stuff's always welcome. Yeah, it's scope. That's the best word to use, I think. Gives the, the show scope beyond its four walls, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Did you think yeah. the same of the communication device, by the way? Because that was another thing that stood out for me. Is you've, I just didn't expect them to do that. On, on the list of weird, wacky technology that they've pulled up, between the slightly out-of-place iPad, I think sort of <laughs> sky projection communicator is up there on the list of where the hell did they get that from? <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's, I, I just don't understand where half the technology in this thing is coming from where they go, oh yeah, we've got an MRI machine and a sky projector. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just seems like the, on the weird list of things for them to have uh, between the bat and sky projector. I don't, I don't know what it's for. <laughs> Well, I think that brings us on to the questions that's raised by the ending. You know, obviously it cuts straight to the asylum again, where Lenny is his therapist. So the question, the obvious question is, is any of this actually happening? Well, oh, you mean as in, has Lenny created in the astral plane this uh, this room to, to treat them this way or... Do you mean as in it was all a dream and really she is the therapist and they're all in in a hospital? Well, I think it, it could easily be the, the entity mucking around with his head a bit more to make him more confused and to make us more confused. Or it could be that, yeah, he never left the asylum and he's not actually a mutant and he's just insane. And that would be awful. It would be terrible. Yeah, that, that would be the waking up from the dream kind of thing and going, oh, none of this happened, I'm back yeah. in my seat. It's like, oh, look, it's uh, that JR guy in the shower. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've yeah. almost got the impression that David pulled everyone back in there to protect them in some sort of way. That would be good. I could see you know, that because like, it's the only like, power he's got. Yeah. Like he's, he's pulled everyone into the shared delusion to, to stop what's going on in the real world, to sort of protect them or cushion them in some way and solve it from the inside rather than outside. Yeah, there's uh, there is multiple possibilities and I really hope it's the it's not the this is all a figment of his imagination because that would yeah, that's bad and lazy plotting and I don't think they'll go that way but it, it feels like it could be some other deeper manipulation by the parasite because with Lenny being his therapist it just feels like that's a, a bit more of a middle finger to him, you know, it's a, no look how I'm going to mess with you. Or it could be the combination that all David could do to save Sid from being hit by that bullet, or or him himself, depending on who was in the front, was to create this reality. But as soon as he creates the reality, the blob gets to to take over and be part of it. So it's it's going to end up being a, a, just a competition between them of who can who can dominate this yeah. this new area. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if a big part of the next episode revolves around that therapy session. I call like Oliver to turn up in actually in it actually because if if it's in the astral plane that they're now chatting, it'd be quite amusing if he saw them on the telly in his astral ice cube and said, "Oh, I'll go over there and have a look," you know, and then yeah, and and it's him that has to help David deal with the blob in his own psyche that that could offer some really crazy stuff, but but interesting with it. Yeah, it would it would make sense as well given that we think Oliver has his powers and and has more experience with those powers. 
Well, it's still unclear why he's sticking around the astral plane on his own anyway and is being preserved in a diving suit. Well, they, they told you, well, the, the, the diving suit, God only knows. I think that <laughs> might be something to do with the real world. But they told you why he was in the astral plane because that was the lesson that Melanie tried to teach David uh, when she says, um, my husband went into the astral plane, loved it there so much, kept going back, kept going back, sped longer in there, spent longer in there, and eventually just was unable to come back from it. It was it was very much like drugs. Once you start enjoying this thing so much, you can't come out. Mm. I had the feeling in my head that the diving suit must therefore be just some way of them preserving his body whilst his spirit is not inside it to to keep it alive and why they chose a a diving suit instead of some more medical based equipment i have no idea but it, i don't know it felt like it m- must have been something like that given that there's no connection to the astral plane in a real diving suit at all no yeah the only connection to the real world and the astral plane is the fact that it, he's been preserved in a freezer Yes. Yeah. And he does mention that the only thing you can't get rid of is the cold. Yeah. You know, so whether the diving suit is just they had to come up with a solution to sort of put them in sort of cryostasis quickly and all they had around was a diving suit to put them in. Yes. Or it's just one of those weird ass Legion things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be, as long as it's not as bad as Lost used to get there. And Lost always upset me when it did these things. And, and then admitted it which was even worse where it's just oh we had this great idea and and we put all these things together on this island and then oh yeah we just work out what it all means later so if some <laughs> genius said oh, we totally have to get a diving suit into this somewhere and then later on everybody else is just going why did we allow that muppet to put a diving suit because we can't explain it it's too late yeah. now but yeah it seems this show is not in a hurry to explain anything so you know i, I could see it going unexplained plus yeah, maybe you know we we've all identified that any exposition feels out of place anyway. So if, you know, Oliver suddenly comes out of the astral plane, he's like, well, you're probably wondering why I'm wearing a diving suit. Allow me to spend the next minute or two telling you. You know, it might feel out of place. Well, or it ends up just being weird science again, because they, yeah. they've, it's no holes bound with the weird science now. Anything is possible. Um which is, I think the whole episode had that. It was just, let's, let's really turn everything up a notch this, this episode and, and just make the weird science weirder and the powers more powerful and, and so on and so forth. I don't really have anything else. I, I can't think of anything else insightful to say about this episode. If I've said anything insightful already, uh, I do think it's still interesting and I find myself captivated and confused all the time when I'm watching it and I, f- I find myself just kind of drawn in being like why is this going on what's going on I've not I have no idea what happened in that scene none and and it keeps but usually it frustrates me when I don't get answers but for some reason in this show I'm not so frustrated I'm kind of enjoying the ride I suppose I just hope it has a, a sort of satisfactory conclusion or at least satisfactory answers you know like you were saying about lost in the way it seems that they just threw a lot of random stuff at the page and went, oh, hopefully we'll explain that, or we'll just throw it in to confuse people. They'll go off on a theory, and it'll distract them from something else we've got going on. You know, we'll spit a couple of episodes out of this. Hopefully it isn't doing that. I'll be majorly disappointed if it does, but 
you know, I'm, I'm still coming back every week to watch the weirdness. Well, I think I, I don't know yet if I like this episode. That That's where this one has left me. I know that seems a bit weird, but it, there was I think there's always this danger. When you do insanity in TV or film, that you might cross the line. And I think this episode is where that line may have been crossed, and I don't know, because it depends what they do with their answers. Because I found myself able to come out of my viewing in this episode the last four episodes i've just been hooked and been you know theorizing stuff and but i've been fully involved in the plot whereas this episode because it was just that's a spiked club isn't it what's that (laughs) viewing screen in the sky and these things have somehow started to make me aware that i'm watching it again and i I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't know if it's going to go somewhere, but at any time when I'm starting to think outside the plot, I'm, I'm wondering if it's crossed the line. Because one of the things I've got in my notes, by the way, is I noticed that the telekinetic guy doesn't care where the doors and rocks he throws lands. And I thought, that's a really pointless thing to have written down. Who cares where the doors <laughs> land? You know, but the point is I was able to think about it because I wasn't, you know, as submersed as I was before. Mm. But equally, I don't know if that's because, no, they're just taking up the weird because they've got somewhere to go with it or not. But I found, I think we're on this episode for me was, was on a line. And if it's a six dimensional line, I don't understand then great. But if it is that old line of, yeah, we've just turned insanity into crazy stuff, then I think that's, that's a danger point. So episode six might be very important for me to, to see what type of line it really is. Yeah. I've actually advised a few people that are thinking about watching this show to kind of wait till it's finished and then watch it because I feel like it might make a little more sense that way. Week to week, I'm finding it just quite hard to follow, but in a good way. I I quite like it. It it keeps playing around with reality and perception and things like that. But um, I feel like maybe once all eight episodes are there to be looked at as, as a cohesive whole, then it could... It could all fit together, or parts of it will at least fit together. Right, I've got one more thing I want to throw in. Okay. And in the spirit of not having a fucking clue what's going on, I want you to interpret what this note that I wrote meant. What scene mm-hmm. am I referring to? And by the way, I don't know anymore. This is this is <laughs> something that I've written just before the words spiked club question mark. <laughs> So it it was it, it's before the spike club and it's the, the note before it is split up and red shirt so that clearly they're in the house yeah and it's just after Rudy's gone away but it's before yeah um Kerry comes in with the spike club and I've written violins and didn't see what focused to what the hell was I thinking when I wrote that <laughs> was that not the way the soundtrack was going with the violins. So there were violins playing on the soundtrack. So yes. was, what did the camera slightly focus towards but didn't properly focus on? What what did was I miss? It, was it not supposed to be the mirrors and stuff in the background? I'm trying to remember properly myself. I did do a sort of second viewing, but I didn't get as far as the house at the end. Yeah. Um, but the, the bit I found weird in the house between the silence and stuff was the mirror at the very end when sort of Sid almost seems to fall into the mirror or the mirror 
sucks her up in a way. <laughs> that that was what I found a bit weird in there. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to get over then, just to get you to look at the mirrors, because certainly Lenny comes out of the mirrors. Yeah. yeah. And then Torment said and so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fast forward now and and have a look for the violins and the split open red shirt. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah, tell me what that is and tell me if I've missed something stupidly important that I needed to know for episode six. This homework for next week. Great. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please. To yes. know before blood. <laughs> yeah. Or if yeah, if any listeners are listening, uh, the comment section is a good place for this sort of stuff. I don't know. Good, I'm uh, glad I got that out. Yeah, if everybody, <laughs> everybody can tell me, then brilliant. Chris, do you have any other bizarre observations that you made that you no, should I think, assign I think, as reading? I think they've uh, we've covered everything, really, that I was going to mention. Um, everything I'm, I'm and just nothing. just sort of the same as you, in the, in the opinion that hopefully it's one of those episodes that is explained later on, and if it isn't, and they sort of gloss over a lot of it, will be really disappointing. And like you say, Aaron, will probably be the point where I'll go, oh, they crossed the line during that episode, and they just went full-blown random to fill space. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to watch all eight when it's all aired, and then see what it looks like at that point. I might go and just binge-watch it on an afternoon or something. It's a long afternoon, but you know. Eight hours. It's a, okay. That's a working day, so I could just watch yes. all. I could just watch it all in one day and see what it's like. But I don't know. Maybe after I've seen it once, I'll be like, that's enough for a while. Let's, let's go back to more traditional storytelling. <laughs> My brain can't handle it. I don't have anything else. So do you think we should wrap up there? And uh, what do we hope happens in the coming episodes? Do we hope we get answers, or do we not want answers? I want answers. I'm okay with a slight drip feed of answers till the end again I just want it to have meaning and as Chris so well put it not go full on random yes no more sky screens well you've already got sky screens you can't, <laughs> un, you can't un sky screen once you've sky screened so I don't know there's all sorts of other random stuff they could be doing though, I suppose so yes that's all from me and is that all from everyone else? Yep, that's all my brain can take, I think. That's it for me. We are legioned out for this week. So I bid thee good night. Bye. Bye. That was our discussion slash review of Legion Chapter 5. Lots of confusion, but still hungry for more. A special thank you to 331 Rock for the supplied music. And if you like what you heard here, please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. We hope you join us on the next Kneel Before Pod.